Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Awesome. Well, we are so thankful and grateful that you are here. Obviously, we know that it is snowing and a few of us have four by four trucks. So if we got to take you home, we will. Uh, but um, listen, uh, I am excited. We are in in the middle of a series called uh, A Better Way. And the church lives different than any other entity. We live different. We think different. We respond different. We live under a different thought process. And and I want to just take a minute and I want to unpack something. If you've been at church at any time or if you're new to church... um, There are times when you will experience or we will experience um, church folk. People who are not perfect. (laughs) And it is my job for us as a body to navigate feelings that we will all have in, er, in, in order to journey long together, to journey long. Come on, does that make sense? There's something about a family that, come on, in your own personal family, come on, there's been good days, there's been bad days, there's been moments when, you know, we slam the door, sub the toe, kick the cat. I mean, there, there have been those days, but, 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 but in that, there is this idea that we are family, so we're going to work it out. But, but, but what we need to understand as a church is, it is even a higher mantle than family. Because there is no other entity that is going to produce the kingdom of God like the church. It is the reason that Jesus, come on, formed the church. As believers, it's important for us to stand for righteousness, justice, and truth but it's also equally important for us to give mercy and grace and to have understanding I remember being younger in the ministry and I was passionate about right and wrong and I wanted to see come on sin destroyed and behavior changed and I would work hard to manage behavior I would preach hard about sin But church, I miss something. In my younger years, I miss something. Uh, Jesus didn't preach every sermon on behavior. And the focus of his ministry was not investigating everybody's sin. Listen to this. Jesus came to do a deeper work to awaken our spirits and to transform, listen, our souls. Behavior and sin, listen, they're important. Behavior left unmanaged will separate us from people that we love. Okay, you can't act any way you want and people stay around to take it. That's the reality. Does that make sense? I don't care what song you listen to. I don't care where your jam is. But the idea that I can act any way I want, people can just deal with it. They leave in you. Sin will 
separate us from God's presence. So I'm not belittling sin. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to make this seeker sensitive. I'm, I'm just trying to put everything into context. As important as these concepts are, we have to be so careful not to unknowingly reduce Christ's message down to behavior modification and convincing people to work harder to overcome sin. Because we got people just trying to knuckle it, and I'm just trying to, and I'm just trying to overpower sin by my own strength, and then they feel defeated when they can't. Listen, I believe that God cares more about listen the root in your life than just the behavior. And just the sin. His goal is to see us produce life-giving fruit. God's deeper work allows His Spirit to transform our lives and heal our souls. This work is what unleashes life-giving words from our mouth. My assignment today, and we're talking about a better way, is giving words of life. Giving words of life. Today is Valentine's Day. Come on. Hey. Hey. We celebrate love, family, friendships. And today generally is a day that somebody says something good about the important people in their life. No one sends the ugly, nasty Valentine's Day card. Girl, when I first met you. Come on. (laughs) Ladies, don't send this card. Babe, when I first met you, I had so many dreams about who you were going to be. You still hadn't hit any of them. Don't send that card. I'm just telling you. There's this idea in Valentine's. Come on, listen. So some of y'all, that was too real for y'all. We need to... I'm so grateful for your love. Band, sing it again. Listen. There is this idea that, come on, we're going to say something good. Why? Because words matter. Proverbs 18, 21 says this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Here's the thing. You're not eating the fruit of what everybody did to you. You're eating the fruit of what is in your soul. That does not belittle what people did. That is not having t- saying that there aren't moments that you have to find healing, get counseling, walk through things. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not belittling that, but I'm saying that your soul and the condition of your soul produces. And here's the bottom line is so many times in church, we, we get frustrated at the leaves. And we point out and we have people that, oh my God, don't listen to that. Don't act like that. Don't premarital sex. Don't do this. Don't be pregnant. Don't do this. Don't be a homosexual. Don't do and And we see leaves. But we never go, you know what? That is just an indication of what is growing. And let's back up and let's talk about and let God heal 
the soul issue so that the fruit that we eat is better. Come on, does that make sense? Listen, there is power in what you say and how you say it. As a believer, we live with a kingdom responsibility. When it comes to the words that we communicate, the Bible says that every word that you have spoken, you will be accountable for. Every time you stubbed your toe on the, on the bedpost and you lost it, come on, and your mate was like, you okay? Don't tell me I'm okay! I'm dying! I just broke my pinky! Come on. You laughed because you've done it. There is a major takeaway from our conversation today. So if you don't hear anything else that I say, this is the one thought I want to give you over and over and over again. The words we use are the byproduct of what is going on in our soul. The words that we use are the byproduct of what is going on in our soul. And so when you scream, I'm defensive, when you fight back, when you lash out, when you, there is something going on in your soul and God gives us indicators so that not so that we would attack everybody in our life, but so that we would go into his presence and go, what's going on in me? Come on. Yeah. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 through 5 says this, and, and, and I don't know if it's on or not, and we, we have to go old school. You may have to look it up yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what? I'm never coming back. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 through 5. Matthew 7 Verse 1 through 5. It says this. Judge not, lest you be judged. For, the, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? I, I added the attitude. There, there is no attitude there, but I kind of added that just for, you know, kicks and giggles. How can you say to your brother, there's this idea, remember, we're family. Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log, come on, in your own. You what? What does it say? Hypocrite. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your eye, and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, th this has been over-preached and wrongly preached. You have to identify the log in your eye because your pursuit to take the log out of your eye helps you deal compassionately with grace and mercy with the speck in somebody else's eye. If you have forgotten how hard it was to get rid of your junk, then you will be disgusted at other people's junk. It's not that we don't help people. It's that you need to walk through the process. Come on, does it make sense? As we continue on with our sermon called A Better Life, A Better Way. I'm stuck by, the, by this verse that we read. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and to others. His message sounds like a sermon but it reads like a staff meeting when when you when you read this it's like a staff meeting jesus is setting up his leaders for the role that they're going to take in the world he is preparing them and equipping them 
And he is saying, listen, if you do what I'm telling you, you're going to live a better way and you're going to stay in ministry and you're going to stay in the church a whole lot longer. Look, look at this. Look at this. Here's what he says. He is saying this. You're going to have to know how to identify hurt, offense, and the enemy schemes. And if you're going to be in ministry long after I'm gone, you're going to have to work on you. Because I am not sending out delegates of my kingdom who are only out to inspect and fix everybody else. Wow. Come on, does this make sense? Listen, here's the deal. Jesus was training his followers to focus on the big hindrances in their personal lives. Then they would be released into ministry. He didn't want them going around focusing on everybody's speck. I, I was a disciple and I'm, I'm anointed by God to fix your speck. I've been around you long enough. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a speck fixer. And I'm, let me tell you something. I got the Holy Ghost and I'm full of power and I'm the speck finder, son. So y'all go on and come up and let me identify what you've done. The mantle of ministry was transmitted into them by saying, if you're going to go, you have to go in humility. Saints, how do we reconcile harmful words, hurtful behaviors, sin, discernment, our own discernment of people, and the management of our own emotions. These are real conundrums. Come on. Because, because everything seems to be situational. And in our own lives, it's very ob objectional. You know, like, like based on whatever circumstance it is, it can go either way. Is this right? Come on, help me. It's vital that we remember that we are not self-led, but spirit led our life our power and stability comes through god's spirit not self when self is first listen when self is first you're going to become offended wounded and critical once we become critical listen we respond to others in a critical spirit that opens the door to become judgmental. Which the Bible tells us again and again and again that being judgmental is what? Come on. Hypocritical, destructive, and evil. In the church, sometimes we are not mindful of the schemes of the enemy. God Listen, most churches aren't going to cancel Sunday service to have a nudie bar. Because we would be like, that's wrong. Most Sunday services aren't going to cancel and sell myth, meth to children. Wait, something's not biblical about this. <laughs> like there's big identifiers that we would be like, that's wrong. But then you have to know that the enemy is so deceptive. He talked one-third of the angels out of the presence of heaven who had seen God. And sometimes we are so blind to the fact that he is always working and planting these seeds in our soul to kind of uproot the family and break it apart. That's what he's always doing. And so here's the thing. We don't want to become 
judgmental, hypocritical, destructive, evil. Why is it evil? Because there is only one judge, and we are not him. Listen, becoming judgmental is a sign that self is in power. When the Spirit is first, love can flow. The Holy Spirit will never become critical because God is love. The Spirit doesn't seek to control and it doesn't, come on, seek selfish interest. There is, and I wish that the computer worked, and that's not, that's not a projection. I'm just, I, I wanted you to see this. But I want to give you this thought. When self is in charge... You are going to be wounded. Then you're going to, listen, be critical. Does that make sense? And you're going to move into judgment. And then there's going to be destruction. And that will happen all the time. That will happen in your marriages. That will happen in your parenting. That will happen with your friendships. That will help happen in churches. Does that make sense? When self is running the show then you are going to be wounded. You're going to move into being critical. You're going to be judgmental. And ultimately, it's going to be destructive for what God wants you to do. Because I'm telling you, there is no relationship, marriage, parenting, kids, friendship, or church that will not be tested. Not any. And so when you are wounded and feel defensive and feel, you have to ask yourself, okay, what's going on? Because here's the thing, our life, we've died to Christ. We're no longer, come on, living a self-led life. And so that means that our flesh is not in charge. That doesn't mean that it doesn't get triggered. But when it does, we're like, whoa, let me check my behavior. Why am I acting all like that? Dead people don't get offended. Come on, does this make sense? Okay. When we operate in the Spirit, the Bible says that if we live in the Spirit, okay, if we live there, you can live there. When you accepted Jesus, let me just give you a little bit of theology. When you accepted Christ into your life and you repented from your sin, which we all have, instantly, everybody snap, one, two, three, your spirit was alive. <clears throat> Your soul now is being transformed. Does that make sense? So you are alive in the spirit. Boy, I'm renewed. Now my soul is awakened to the transformation that needs to happen in my life. That's why you can walk an aisle, ask Jesus to come into your life, go through a life group, and then still think like the devil. And, And you're like... Dang, it didn't work. No, 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 no. It was supernatural. It was spiritual. And in a moment, you were free and your spirit became alive. But you've been ugly and nasty and hard-hearted for about 25 years. You're going to have to work. And we're going to have to uproot these sins that started when you were six years old, when your dad would walk in, or your mom would walk in, or your brother would walk in, and seeds of stuff planted in your heart, and now you don't even know why you look for that, and you wonder what's going on, and the devil's beating you up because you feel like, I'm because I'm not saved. No, 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 you broken. But God is the antidote. 
And he is the one that can come in and heal, come on, your soul and redeem you. But there is a process of transformation and you don't get it all in one service. That's why we say it'll take a year. Come on. We're trying to raise up a church that is teachable to the Holy Spirit. I see it just like you do. There are some people on the edge of their seat and they're teachable. And there are some people that are criticizing everything I say. I ain't talking to you. Because I know you won't be here long. Because the truth of the matter is, if you are inspecting us to see if we are a perfect church, I can already save you a lot of time. We're not. So you can move on down the street. <laughs> that doesn't mean that there isn't accountability. I'm not saying that. But if you're looking to find something that you've never found in your whole life, which is perfection... You're not going to find it here. Come on. For us, wounds are going to happen. Hurts are going to come. The soul can be burdened or it can be free. Don't allow criticism to grow in your heart. Thinking that, well, I'm better than someone else is a trap. Acting as if you are smarter, more attractive, happier, wealthier, that you are more intelligently gifted. <laughs> Come on. That your emotional intelligence is so much better. All of that is a trap. This is what happens when pride is present. And then we move into sin, and sin is evil, and it's destructive. The words that we use is a byproduct of what is going on. Come on, listen. In our soul. John 13, 35 says this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have what? Come on. Love for one. If you criticize everybody you meet. That's, your Bible don't say that? If you assess everybody, it says that if you love one another, and so here is the complexity that you have to decide if you're going to be a Christian. Are you going to live hurt and stay in love, or are you going to protect your heart and never really be used by God? That's the answer. Because you can't let people in your life and begin to love them. Come on. And it not affect you. It happens. We. Listen. We have love for one another. It doesn't say by our judgment. It says by our love. Speaking words of life is a better way. We can encourage one another. Give mercy. And stand for truth. All at the same time. And so listen. There are three big words of life buckets that I want to give you real quick. Are we good? These buckets are what we pour out to the world. This is what we pour out to other people. The first is, as a believer, come on, lean into this. 
we speak the good news. That's the first bucket. We speak the good news. And so we got to fix ourselves when the news coming out of our mouth is always bad. <laughs> we speak the good news. And so the Bible said that we, we, you, everybody online, we are the salt and light, come on, of the world. Romans 10, 15 says, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? For it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. Come on, anybody got some beautiful feet? Don't show me, don't show me. Don't show me. Come on, if you're at home, put your toes up. Listen. I believe the church should have, come on, some beautiful feet. Jesus said that we were salt in the life. Uh, salt and light. That there is a Holy Spirit assignment, listen, on your life. And as believers, we add value and direction to our family, come on, to our friends, our community. That means we illuminate and season. Our goal is to give encouragement. To give hope. When someone runs to you, do they get hope? Or do they get all the things they should have done? You're in this situation because you're stupid. And, you know, I, I don't, you're going to have to go to church for a long time to fix stupid. Come on. Do you give the good news? The good news is that God is for redemption and reconciliation and the return of lost souls. And so we speak words of faith when doubt comes. And we pour out. We speak what God can do over the facts that we see. We are not blind to what's happening. And there is times for courageous conversation. But our first primary function is that, come on, we pour out the good news. We pour it out to people. We're the ones that, if we don't pour it out, they're not getting it from CNN. They're not getting it from Fox News. They're not getting it from our occupation. And everything out in the world, even if we feel like they pour out some encouragement, it's only self-seeking. It's so that you perform better, that you sell more, that you reach the goals. Come on. For us, the love is not just a theology idea, but it has to be a practice. We believe that God by our side is enough. It is protection. And he, come on, is enough. Church, the enemy is always working in the background. And he wants to stir up strife and dissension and anger. And I really believe this. I don't, I don't believe that the enemy cares that there is a church open that shares Jesus. And a few people get saved. Because the enemy is hoping that the people that come in and get saved will be shot by friendly fire. And that as we continue to move on, we will never really take ground because there's so much friendly fire happening that the church is known for spiritual body bags rather than winning the culture. And that is something that every house and every church has to intentionally decide to do. You don't do it because you feel it. You do it because you're disciplined. 
You don't do it because you feel it. You do it because it's intentional. Can I tell you, I don't say, I've been married 18 years, and and I haven't learned much. but, But I have learned, you don't say everything that you think. Some of y'all have been married three or four years. Write that down. <laughs> I just saved you, okay? What have you learned about church? Do you get to say everything that you think? Do you go and get a life group so that you can connect with four women so that you can gossip? Do you go, come on, what have you learned in church? Because here's the deal. Whatever you sow, <laughs> you're going to And I'm not saying that you're not going to get hurt. I'm saying you're absolutely 100% without that doubt going to be hurt. But I'm expecting you to grow in maturity, take those offenses to the Lord and move on because there is a kingdom mantle and a kingdom message and we're going to reach the city. Does that make sense? Come on, is that good? That's the deal. Ministry is messy. Church is messy. We move forward because we know that there's a log in our own eye. Come on, the words that we use are byproducts of what is going on in our soul. So here's the thing. Stay aware of the hurts and the wounds that stop the good news from pouring out. Come on, does this make sense? The second thing is this, real quick. We speak words that build up and not tear down. We are responsible for building the saints, for equipping the saints. And so here's the thing, is that there is something that God has given you. In fact, the Bible says that there are spiritual gifts that each one of you have. You may know it or you may not. You're like, actually, I don't have any gifts. <laughs> you do. You have, but, and so that's why we come to church, come on, so that we can begin to grow these gifts in our life because God wants you and, here's the deal, needs you to pour out. And so here's what Romans 14, 19 says, so when we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another, the building up, so you have a job to do. When you come to church, the job isn't that your butt muscles get firm. You have a job to do when you come to church. You have a job to do. There will always be someone coming in that is struggling and they will always need a coffee, mentoring, connection. There will always be. And here's the deal. Let me tell you this. Way too many churches are run by five personalities that try to build the church. And our staff is not going to feel the pressure of building the church. The church is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And it is our job to unleash your gifts Because we believe better ministry can happen around your table than trying to schedule everyone to fit at our table. Come on. We're coming so that we can get over our junk and at the same time begin to pour out, come on, and build up. Begin to build up people. Begin to spend the time. To invest. Come on. And that means you'll have to listen well. That means you'll have to slow down enough to comfort. That means you'll have to use, listen, not emotional communication, but wise communication. You may have to have a little pause between hearing the story and having a response. 
you may have to take that to the Lord and go, God, here's what I'm feeling. <laughs> and I feel like they need to come to Jesus meeting with the mighty thunder and cloud of God. But that may not be right. So I'm going to ask you what you want me to do. Come on. We have a saying around this church. We don't do moving. We, we, we do moving trucks, but we don't do dumb trucks. We do moving trucks. We will move into prayer. We will move out of sin. We will move into a courageous conversation. Come on. We will move into standing in the gap for you and your family. We will move to help, but we don't dump. Dumping is just vomiting. It focuses on what people did to you and how you felt. It projects that, that we live under a victim mentality and we are hopeless and we need someone to fix us. Jesus came, come on, to heal you and he is enough for you. We want to partner with you. Come on, help me. That's good. Y'all should have clapped there. I'm just... Listen, when our clappers are gone, it's on you, okay? Okay. Damn, feeling feisty, Dev. Uh, we don't dump. We don't dump on the church. We don't dump on the nation. We don't dump on our community. We don't dump on our mate. We don't dump on our friendship. We dump on Jesus. We go into our prayer room and we say, okay, it's fixing to be nasty up in here, but you're God and you can handle it and you've probably had other people mad at you before, so I'm going to go ahead and give it all to you and I'm going to leave it with you and I'm going to feel full of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to walk on leaving that there and come on, does that make sense? But way too many people, thank you, Steve. Listen, way too many people are losing friendships, destroying marriage, breaking apart families because we feel the need to dump and vomit dump trucks on everybody in our life. Nobody can handle that. You're a builder. We come and we answer questions, we find solutions. We do this by giving people the word of God and not just our opinion from our last book or blog or counseling session. And I'm not against any of those. I'm a reader. There have been many times I've stepped into some Christian counseling. So I'm not against any of that. But I'm just saying, at the end of the day, I've got to go into my prayer room, and I've got to read the word, and I've got to hear what the Lord is saying, come on, to me, and I've got to pivot from what I think to what he thinks. Yeah. Proverbs eleven twenty four. The one who gives freely grows all the richer. The one who withholds what he should give only suffers want. What if what you really is dormant and you want, God is asking you to start giving, to start moving, to start unleashing, to start doing. And you're wondering why it hadn't happened yet. And all this pinned up passion and purpose is just waiting dormant. But the Bible says that unless you give it, you can't find it. What has caused you to stop building? Is it relationships, purpose, leadership? Ministry, servitude, what has stopped you from starting, from, from, from building and giving love? Come on, the words we use are a byproduct of what is going on in our soul. Last one, you got time for one more? All right, is that cool? All right, cool, we're snowed in. All right. (laughs) 
Maybe we'll all take turns when we're done. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> the third one and the last one. Okay. Respond boldly in love and truth. These are the buckets. These are the buckets. Come on. We always talk about the good news. And, and we, we build up. My mom used to say, build up or shut up. <laughs> How many of y'all, your mom used to say that? How many know anybody that said, cool, that's why I have counseling. Um, <laughs> so that's, 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 that wasn't a thing for y'all? All right, cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Can we worship in? Uh, okay, listen. The third bucket is this. We've got to respond boldly in love and in truth. Think back to the verse that we have on judgment. I want to make sure, listen, that there is clarity. We've laid out a foundation that a critical spirit is something that we should avoid. And it would be devastating for us to operate in that. Because a, hinder, a critical spirit will hinder truth and cancel love. But the third bucket is boldness. And you're going to have to be bold, listen, in your faith. Spirit-led boldness isn't arrogance or pride. We can speak words of life when we respond boldly and we are not intimidated. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if any of you are caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them with a gentle spirit. Keep watch over yourself lest you are tempted to. There is this idea that real love isn't just nice and sweet. Real love is in the context of relationship, shares truth in a way that is for someone and not against them. See, the difference is the judgmental part that we want to avoid is condemnation. Where we've kicked God off the throne, we sat and guilty. The kind of judgment that's okay because you're going to have to make judgments. You had, you're going to have to make judgment on who you're going to marry. You're going to have to make a judgment on if you're going to allow your kids to go sleep at somebody's house. Come on, you're going to have to make a judgment. And just because they go, well, they went to church, you need to know them before you let your kids go over. You need to know them. Come on, does that make sense? Don't ever, well, they, they went to church, uh-huh. And there are a lot of people that have been saved one day going to church. It is okay to look at someone's fruit and to judge that in the aspect of not guilty or free, but is it producing the fruit that I want to see in my life? That is, come on, okay, and it will take boldness, come on, to do that. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is power for God unto salvation for everyone who believes. There is this idea that Christians have to be bold, listen, with their love. We can make a decision about the conduct and the actions of the people we know. Right now, our world wants everyone to be a Karen. Everyone's a Karen. And what does, that, what does that mean? But basically what we're trying to say is this. We want everyone to mind their own business. Stay out of my life. Don't bring your worldview or your background to this conversation because we don't need you. You stay in your lane. And here's the deal. 
if the church adopts that mentality, the enemy will destroy families and relationships because here's the deal. God called us to be the body of Christ, and I can't function without the body. Does that make sense? And so there are going to be times that you're going to have to step in with love and humility because you see your log, but now you're looking at their speck. Come on. And you're going to have to say something in love. And we're not going to be a church that sticks our head in the ground and, 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 and won't do life, real life, with each other. Come on. The church can't be busybodies. But we also live under a kingdom mandate and we watch out for one another. And if you fully embrace what it means to be a Christian, listen, you will be misunderstood and you will be attacked. You will be called, listen, hypocritical and judgmental. Well, wait, Pastor Stephen, I'm totally confused now because I thought you said don't be hypocritical and judgmental, but you're saying we're going to be. Yes. Yes, exactly. Now you fully understand. I actually understand nothing. There is a huge difference between condemning and correction in love. Condemnation happens when you judge. We are not the judge. That is not our position. But here's the thing. Is when we make a stand for Christ, that means we are no longer open-minded about certain things. We are no longer open-minded about how the family should operate, about who's the head of the family, about what the mom's role and the dad's role and the kid's role. We're, we're no longer open-minded about some things. And so because we are under Jesus as Lord and now he is our Savior, now all the other religious entities and personalities are off the table. And so then people will say, well, you are close-minded. By you saying yes and submitting to Jesus as Lord, that means you give him your wishes. You give him your desires. You give him and you look to him as the source of all, come on, your needs. My point is saying yes to Jesus means you say no to some other things. And so there's no place in Christianity where you're, you always yes. There will be some no's. And there will always be critics of Christianity. People passing judgment. And you, you, passing judgment. The body of Christ stands for something profound. Because we take the Bible as the inspired word of God, we believe that we are sinners in need of saving. We exist for the reason that is to proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord, listen, of all. And that statement is narrow-minded. We surrender our lives. And sure, we should do it with kindness and humility and generosity. But we also have to do it with passion and boldness. And here's the deal. We have to love without apology. And we have to love without the fear of rejection. And we have to do what God has called us to do. And you don't do it so that everybody understands it. You do it because you're under a mandate of heaven. There will be times... When you will confront behavior and sin, but you will do it with grace and mercy and understanding because you know it's a lot of work to remove this log. Come on, the words we use are the byproduct of what's happening and going on in our soul.
There is a better way. Church, there is a better way. And we're going to have to let the Spirit lead our lives. Praise God, some of you, your soul, God has healed your soul. And now it's a scar. It's not an open wound. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. But today, I, I want to pray over two areas for those watching online, for those here. First, I want you to know that Jesus has the power to heal your soul. Words that people spoke over you. Words that people spoke over you. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're an idiot. You can't. You never will. I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe you chose a husband or a wife and your family didn't like them. Come on, I really feel like that's somebody. And you've carried that. And you're going to have to give all of that stuff. Come on, listen online. You're going to have to give all of that stuff to the Lord or you're going to live with a wound. You're going to have to give all that up. All that can change once Jesus becomes Lord. Self will decrease and he will increase if you will open your heart to Jesus. And so the first thing I'm asking you to do is this. Listen, we all know the Lord's Prayer. It says, forgive me of my trespasses. I don't know if you've studied that. But the forgiveness part is the fourth thing that Jesus talks about. Many of you always start your relationship with God with how sorry you are. Jesus said when you pray, you pray like this. You start with praise. Then you look to me for provision. Then you ask for my kingdom to come. And once we've established who the authority is in your life, then... Forgiveness. Come on, does that make sense? It's time. It's time to let that go. And you have sinned. <laughs> you've sinned. Online, I know. It, come on. It may just be you. But you've sinned. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. You need to say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. And if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, or, or he has, but you've been holding this, and you've been blaming everybody else, and there's been a critical spirit, but you, you, come on, like you need forgiveness. You need to look at your log. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.